Well, hello, hello, everyone. Morgan here, and thank you so much for joining me at the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. Oh my gosh, I am always embarrassed whenever I have a really long pause like this. Like, I have a couple podcast guests, or a couple guest podcasts, or a couple podcasts with guests. There you go. I got to it. Uh, a couple podcasts with guests in the in the queue. Um, they'll be after this one, but I wanted this one to be me bringing the podcast back to life, and then my <laughs> guests will come. Gosh, I can't make any more promises about how I'm going to be back every week and blah, 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 but listen, I'm going to do my best. I know that everybody's been asking about the podcast. I've had a ton of people asking me about, are you still doing your podcast? I'm sorry. Uh. <laughs> okay, so enough of that, but I just wanted to let you know that the podcast is back for now. <laughs> okay. Um, but today's topic, I just got off of a really great interview with a, um, with a radio uh, broadcast in uh, <clears throat> Arizona. And they were so great. Like they were just kind of like on the same ball and they knew like exactly, you know, like how to have a great conversation basically. Anyway, um, it was really great to talk to them. And, and I wanted to reiterate um, the fact that we are the only ones responsible for ourselves. You know, I, this topic of this podcast is going to be talking about thinking about how people used to live. I mean, if we think about our modern conveniences, think about how, how reliant we are on the modern convenience, conveniences of our life. The electricity, our refrigerator, the freezer, uh, the grocery store. Okay, cars. <laughs> that is a convenience, let me tell you. Okay, um, you know, having a job, honestly, that is definitely a convenience because there are so many opportunities, especially remote opportunities right now, that offer us, you know, some sort of money so that we can throw that money at other things. Um, you know, but, and, you know, TV, the internet phones, this, you know, a cell phone, you know, I mean, even this podcast that, you know, is going through the internet and, and all these things. And, and I have to think back to, you know, how did people survive without all these things? You know, without the air conditioning that's running in my house right now, you know what I mean? Without the heat that, you know, comes through my furnace every winter. And I have lived off grid for two years. We lived without any air conditioning in the high desert of Arizona, which it still got hot there, you know, and having no air conditioning, it's rough, really rough. You know what I mean? We occasionally would turn on our RV and we had to hook up our big generator. Like we ran 100% on solar, but we only had about 1,700 watts. And 1,700 watts, you cannot run a traditional AC with it. There are smaller AC units out there. And you can you can DIY some AC units, um, you know, like there's the uh, what is it called? Um, it's some I I'm forgetting now, but the, if you just say like DIY air conditioner and stuff, there are some that's going to be better for humid areas and some that are better for dry areas. And I've done a DIY when we lived in Arizona. It was a dry area, and we did that DIY, and it worked all right. It wasn't like the absolute best thing in the world, but it did produce some cool air and we could run it on our solar. Now, as far as heat goes, our heat 
um, the actual compressor, like when the compressor came on to push the air, the hot air out. So our hot air was produced by our propane. And then the actual compressor that pushed the hot air out was through the electricity using our solar. And that took about 10 watts. And every time that would turn on. So you have to imagine, you know, 10 watts. And no, it wasn't 10 watts. It had to have been more than that. Anyway, I, I think it was, I seem to remember he said 10 for some reason. Maybe it was 100 and I'm missing a zero. But it was a little bit of a chunk. I remember 10 watts isn't even that much. So it had to have been more than that because it was a pretty good chunk that got taken out every time. But let's just say it was 50 watts an hour. So 50 watts an hour, but it ran for maybe 15 minutes at a time. And let's not forget, RVs are very inefficient, okay, with heat or holding in heat or um, holding in cooling, any of that. It's very inefficient. Anyway, you know, it's just the walls. They're just paper thin. Um, Most RVs. I guess this old RV was. Maybe newer RVs are different. I don't imagine they're that different. Anyway, my point is... Um, so that, that ran a little bit on electricity, but you know, we had these, um, electric heaters when we, we were, we plugged our RV into a spot, like a campsite, like a couple times, really literally like two times. And we had these electric heaters at the time and they were wonderful. Oh my gosh. But they were like 600 Watts, 600 Watts. That's an insane amount of wattage. There's no way. Like, yeah, it turned on for like 15 minutes, turned off. But every time it turned on, it was pulling 600 watts. And I just remember that, no, it wasn't 600. It was 1,200. That's right. It was 1,200. The I was doing some research lately, and the lowest wattage that I could find on those electric heaters was 600. No, ours that we had was 1,200 watts. That's right. Every time it turned on, it would be pulling 1,200 watts until it stopped. You know, so even if it pulled 1,200 watts for 15 minutes, that's still a significant amount of um, energy that it's taking from us. Maybe it wouldn't drain our batteries fully drained, you know, but we would still only be able to use that electric heater maybe two or three times before our batteries were fully depleted. So not a great option. (laughs) But, um, you know, if we had like a gas generator or propane generator hooked up, you could run those electric heaters. You could run a, like, you know, the RV ACs, things like that. You can totally run those things, no problem. Because those are powerful, you know. Those are like five, 6,000 watts, and they're running continuously. And so, you know, unless it runs out, you're going to be getting those five to 6,000 watts the entire time. And so, you know, you're just running out of gas or running out of propane, either one. So anyway, my point is we have to look into... How did people live before? You know, I bring up the whole off-grid living because it taught us so much about how we take modern conveniences for granted. I mean, we just do. The water flowing from our pipes, the flick of a light, of a switch and light comes on. You know, the I take a remote into my hand and I suddenly have entertainment at my fingertips. It's that easy. I can order things online one click of a button. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to learn how to do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I have restaurants, you know, five feet from my door. Not quite, but you know what I'm saying? 
it's just there's so many conveniences. You know, grocery stores. Okay, let me say that none of these conveniences were even a thing a hundred years ago, a little over a hundred years ago, I'd say. But about a hundred years ago, none of these things, none of them, were accessible to everyone. Electricity was starting to come into homes around the 20s, like in Manhattan and things, but it wasn't nationwide until much later. I have a whole article about it on my website. And I think I, I think I talked about it even here in the podcast, but fascinating stuff. Electricity has only technically been like mainstream for like 100 years. The internet has only been like mainstream widely used for past 30 years, right? My, got my math right there? Yeah, about 30 years. It started to come into play in about the 80s. And I think there was internet action, you know, before then, but it really, you know, mainstream, you know, got into people's homes. Mid to late 90s, people really started to get into that internet, the internet, right? Um, and then, you know, like cell phones, smartphones, our technology has moved so fast. Grocery stores, you know, there used to be little markets. And also what most people used to do is they used to just get their stuff from direct from farms and things. So like they would get their, you know, they would get their raw milk from the local farm. They get their grain from that little, from the little farm store. You know, they would get the flour from the farm store, that kind of thing. They would get these little things from that farm store or that little store down the street or whatever, or they would trade or, or they would just get it, you know, in town, they would go into town, you know, every once in a while. And there may have been a shop there that had a few things, the general store, you know what I mean? And they would have these few little things that a lot of those things were, you know, brought in from other places. But now you look at grocery stores, they are massive. And there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of grocery stores across the United States. Okay, so we think about this and we think about the sheer amount of products that are being pumped out all the time to these to fill the shelves of these thousands and thousands of grocery stores. And that's just grocery stores. And then we think about just general stores, right? Um, The home improvement stores. Think about all the wood that is being pumped into these home improvement stores. Think about all of the manufacturing being done to provide for these homes and these lives and these houses, all the cars that are being made. If you think about it on these huge, massive scales like this, our supply chain is massive and it's and, and you, you think like, oh, we've got to have it under control by now, right? But we don't. And we're seeing this every single day. We're seeing these shortages. We're seeing the inflation. We're seeing society struggle a little bit. And that's not even taking into the account of natural disasters and our changing climate. Now, I'm not going to say global warming or anything like that. But our but earth has proven itself to always be changing. That's the fact of the earth. The earth is ever changing, ever evolving. The climate will forever change and it will forever evolve. And whether humans have a part in it or not, 
I'm not 100% convinced <laughs> that we, I, I think that, you know, we definitely do have a part in it, but it's maybe not like to the extreme factor that, that a lot of people think. And you can argue with me all you want, but science is very iffy on this subject. It just is, you know, they can try to prove it all they want, but you go back through history in the past millions of years and look at how much the earth has changed. It's just constantly changing. So we, I think, are in the process of looking through another earth change. Could it be expedited a little bit because of our emissions and things that we're doing? I'll give it that it's going to be expedited a little bit. Anyway, this is this topic. That's not this topic. My point is, the earth has always changed. And one of the things that um, was actually brought up on the um, radio show that I got done with just today was, um, you know, people, you know, I, I said, you know, people have lived in these climates without air conditioning, without, you know, these big, huge homes, without, you know, proper heating source and all this stuff. You know, how did they do it? How did they hunt and forage and grow agriculture? And how did they trade? And how did they do these things? How did they live? And then you also have to think about the people that are still living without these modern day, you know, conveniences. People all over the world are living without these modern day conveniences. How are they doing it? They figured out how to make things work for them. Like they built energy efficient homes, you know, like Adobe style homes that, you know, make the insider inside cool during hot weather. You know, um, there are earth sheltered homes that, um, oh, what's his name? Cody London. He has an earth sheltered home in Arizona and it stays like a consistent cool and warm temperature throughout the year. That's, it's brilliant to think about these things, you know? Humans are so smart, but these skills and these ideas and these concepts are so foreign to us as humans because of our modern conveniences. Because we have become so complacent, we've become so comfortable, and don't even get me started on people thinking that, you know, just because one thing happens, that's totally done. And now nothing bad will ever happen again. Like, like with COVID, like with every natural disaster, I feel like people just, I feel like a good chunk of people learn. And then the other chunk of people are like, phew, glad that's done. <laughs> and then, and then they just go on about their life, but they don't prepare for the next event or anything like that. And I think one of the biggest falsities of, of life is that the government is here to save you. They're not. The government has nothing to do with wanting to save you. They don't even, they wouldn't even have the resources. And if we look at natural disasters, I know I'm going off on a tangent, stay with me. If we look at past natural disasters, they have failed every single time in providing resources and providing assistance. And it's not necessarily the government's fault either because they don't have the resources and really all that they could really do is give is drop some food and water and be like there you go because even they don't you know they might have the resources if they put more money into infrastructure and people and they put more money into educating civilians and to helping civilians be prepared for these instances. You know what I mean? And 
they don't. Yeah, sure, they have a website. Oh, you know, put your bug out bag together or whatever. But honestly, I've gotten more information out of civilian websites that I, you know, civilian prepper websites than I have out of the government websites. I've gotten way better information. And I, you know, I'm not anti government, I'm anti big government. I think small local governments are where it needs to be. This big federal government that's always trying to control us in every single way. That's causing more animosity. It's causing more stress. It's causing, it's actually causing more issues. You know, like, like the police are here to protect us. They're not. They can't be by our sides 24-7. And the police have even stated multiple times, we will not, we, we cannot be guaranteed to be there to help you. You know? Not only to just get there, but it's going to take several minutes, if not, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes to even just get to your location wherever you are. I go running and I look at the like 911 locators. Like there's these little, it's a greenway, and there's these little locators, you know, 911 locators. I pay attention to them just that's because who I, that's who I am, right? But then I think to myself, gosh, if I got hurt, like I got bit by a rattlesnake or something, what would I do? I'm sure I might call 911 or whatever, but I wouldn't be able to move. Like, how is somebody going to come and get me at this specific location? And how the heck long is it going to take them to get to me? Because like this greenway is literally down this like, you know, it's just a path. It's not like a road. And it's kind of far, it can get kind of far from an actual road. And so they have to, somebody first has to get to their golf carts, where the golf carts are. And then they get on the golf carts and then they come and find me. Do you know how long that could take? Especially if it were to happen after hours, you know what I mean? At a city park. It's not even like a state park. You know, most state parks, some state parks have like park hosts and things on hand where maybe somebody could assist or something like that. But a lot of these city parks, you know, once it's clock out, it's clock out kind of thing, you know. So if you get 911 and 911 comes and helps, let's say it's just, you know, some paramedics or somebody, they have to find out where you are. They have to get to you, you know. It's that whole getting to you part. So you have to think, what am I going to do? How am I going to help myself? And that's the whole point of this entire podcast, of my entire ramblings here. It's how will I continue to get by without electricity? Could I have a solar generator? Could I have a gas generator and store gas or maybe a propane generator and store propane? Could I have a whole house solar system? Could I, um, you know, just live without, just live without? Could I have a passive solar system, right? Uh, I think the Provident Prepper, they have a passive solar system. They seem to be doing great with it. You know what I mean? Could I, you know, build some sort of DIY AC system? And how could I keep that DIY AC system going? Um, You know, what about heat? Could I have a wood stove? Do I have a fireplace? Could I get a big propane tank and, 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 you know, do those propane um, heaters? Oh, man, we had a propane heater once. It was the bomb. I'm not talking about the buddy heaters. I'm talking about, like the actual propane heaters, they were the bomb. Oh man, they made the house so hot, so fast. 
and they were so efficient. Like they use like no propane. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, but the buddy heaters are really good, really efficient, great for camping, great for home, you know, take it into like one room of your house and just try to like warm like one room, you know, have zero degree bags um, to where you can sleep in those zero degree bags, you know, or and then bundle up, you know, there's lots of options. There's lots of options. And I think that just a lot of people really don't want to think about these things because you're going to be working harder. You know what I mean? Like if the water stopped flowing through your faucet, you're going to have to go collect water. Like if you're in the city or if you don't have a well, or if your well runs on a pump, you're going to have to figure out how to get that water out of there, right? How would you get that water out there? Do you have a generator? Do you have extra gas? Do you have extra propane? Do you have... You know, can your solar charge, you know, uh, keep uh, the pump powered? Could you just pump a bunch of water into a tank and then have that, you know, do that like once a month or once a week or whatever? These are things you have to think about. And it's more work. It is. It's more work, (laughs) you know. And it's just something we have to consider when it comes to relying on all of our modern conveniences, what if the grocery store wasn't there anymore? You know, I mean, that's kind of like, I feel like that's just such a real thing that could happen to us one day because of just the massive amount of food that's being produced all the time. And because of agriculture, um, you know, the stresses on agriculture and the stresses on our imports and exports and just the stresses of life and and mother nature and all these things, I just feel like that could be a possibility one day, you know, and the electricity, that's never guaranteed. Your flowing water, it's never a guarantee. So we do have to think in, in contingencies. We have to think, how did people live and how could I continue to thrive in these emergencies and disasters and crises and whatever? That's the whole point of preparedness. Your life Your life doesn't really need to change that much in an emergency or or disaster, except if it were more long-term. You know, if it's more long-term, maybe you're going to have to start hunting or fishing or, you know, learning wild edibles, these kinds of things. You're going to have to start doing more of that. And it's more work. It is totally, you know, and that's something a lot of people don't want to come into terms with. It's a lot more work. You know, growing a garden, more work. Having chickens, more work. Animals, you know, in general, more work. But I love it. I love the satisfaction of knowing I can do this. This is in my control. That electricity, not in my control. I mean, sure, I could pay for it, whatever. But it's not in my control as in, will it be here forever? That air conditioning, boy, it feels nice right now, but it may not be here forever. And I hate that thought because... Who wants to be hot and sweaty their entire lives? But how did people live before? So that's really what I want to try to get down to in these podcasts and get down to in my YouTubes and my, you know, I want you to be prepared, but I also want you to understand how to actually thrive outside of our modern conveniences. And I want to bring that back. So... (coughs) Whoa, that was my dog. Sorry. (laughs) He's now decided to eat dinner. Um, Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. I hope this wasn't too crazy of a rant, but I wanted to get this podcast out there right now. And I do have more podcasts in the queue. 
If you ever have any suggestions or ideas for podcasts, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I can be found at roguepreparedness.com. I'm on Instagram at roguepreparedness. And I am on YouTube. Just search Rogue Preparedness. And where else am I? That's basically it. (laughs) I'm around. But uh, I look forward to hearing from you. I love your feedback. Please do not ever hesitate to contact me or get a hold of me for any reason. This is a community and we're all here to help each other. Conquer tomorrow by preparing today. I'll talk to you later. Bye.